If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about your retirement. There are a few risks that you could have. Joining me today is David Roselle. He's a financial planner and president of Roselle Wealth Management. Welcome to the show, David. Oh, thank you very much, Heather. It's a pleasure to be here today. I know there's a ton about retirement. I mean, we've got 401ks and IRAs, and have you even saved enough money to get into retirement? So let's start with what are these three major risks? Are you talking about once we're actually retired or leading up to retirement? Yeah, well, there's more than three. Uh, There's certainly three that come to mind right now. You know, for the listeners out there that are at or near retirement, probably the best way I can explain it is a number of years ago, I had an opportunity to meet the best mountaineer who's ever walked the planet Earth. His name is Ed Beasters. And this guy has summited Everest seven times successfully and done so without supplemental oxygen. And I'll never forget the time he said to me that most people think his goal is to get to the top of the mountain. And he said, that's no way our only goal, because... When you get to the summit, you still have the second half of the journey left and 80% of the accidents and deaths happen on the descent. When he shared with me that it's the second half of his journey that takes on the most amount of risk and needs the most amount of planning, that was my aha moment to realize that as we reach the top of our financial summit, which is really the last day that we're funding our IRAs and our 401ks, And now we're going to be living off of it for the next two, three, sometimes four decades, that it's the second half of this journey that also takes on the most amount of risks and needs the most amount of planning. Wow. That actually makes sense to me. Hey, I have a question, actually. I know the 401k, that is funded by an employer. What about an IRA? Can I, once I retire, can I continue to add funds into an IRA? You could only add money into an IRA, which stands for Individual Retirement Account, if you have income. And so if you don't have earned income, you're no longer able to fund it. But for those of you that do have income, in addition to your 401k, you can fund an IRA up to $6,000 a year. Uh, And once you hit age 50, you can put an extra $1,000 in or $7,000 a year. What about a Roth IRA? Yeah, Roth IRAs, um, well, first of all, there's no one strategy that's the best. People are always saying, what's the best strategy? They all have pros and cons. So I'm a firm believer in paying tribute to a little bit of all of them. And the beauty of a Roth IRA is you're funding it with six or $7,000, depending on your age, but you're not getting any tax benefit up front. So you're funding it with post-tax dollars. But the beauty is, is that Every dollar that comes out in retirement, including all the growth, will come out completely free of taxes. And most people think that tax rates are going to increase rather than decrease. So for a lot of investors, it's a wise move. Just wanted to clarify that. But we've reached our summit at last day of work day. We hit the summit. Now we're retiring. Now we're going on the backside. So what are some of the risks that, that we have on the second half of our journey? Yeah, well, the first risk I'd like to share is one that every listener is 
aware of right now more than ever in their lifetime, and that is inflation. So even though inflation is at a 41-year high right now, it's around 9%, inflation was as high as 18% in 1980. And everything comes back to the law of averages. Inflation over time or since the beginning of time has averaged between 3 and 4%. So let's say 3.5%. Now, on an annualized basis, not that big of a deal. Something that cost $100 today a year from now will cost $103.50. But even at that average rate, mathematically, the cost of living doubles every 20 years. So what this means in our retirement planning is let's say you had a 40-year-old who's funding their 401ks and their Roth IRAs, and they speak to their financial planner and say, you know, I'd like to retire in 20 years at the age of 60. And I'd like to live on $100,000 net of taxes per year. Well, based on 3.5% inflation, the average, in 20 years until retirement, the cost of living doubles. So that person is going to need to have enough money in their retirement accounts to live on $200,000 a year to buy what $100,000 buys today. And now we jump ahead. They're 20 years in retirement. They're 80 years young. I like to say graying means playing. And that same person is going to need to take out, it's going to double again. And they're going to need to take out $400,000 to buy what $100,000 bought them when they were 40. Yeah. So if you're starting at 40 to look at how much I need for retirement, you have to look 40 years ahead, essentially. Yeah. And even more than that, the fastest growing portion of our population are centenarians, people 100 and older. Uh, my partner, Heather, her grandmother recently passed away at 106 years of age. Oh, wow. And then the doubling takes place again. And when people say and start thinking to themselves, this just seems outlandish, the doubling, that, that doesn't make sense. And what I'll remind them is that they probably spent more money on their last automobile than their parents spent on their first home. Yeah. And so the opposite comes into play that for those that are tougher on themselves today, life will be easier on them later. And if they're earning six, seven, eight percent a year on average investing their money, the they're able to accumulate some significant funds for retirement. So if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. <laughs> yes, I've heard that a lot. While we're still on this and you're talking about planning, what if I I'm in the lower income range. What if I'm making less than forty or fifty thousand dollars a year? Plus, I have a family on that. I may have a significant other who's contributing, but we're still below that fifty thousand dollar mark. How on earth am I supposed to save for forty years into the future? Yeah, it, it's not easy, and I don't want to make light of that because a lot of people have a, a lot of financial challenges going on that scenario that you just uh, shared. But I call it the latte factor because lots of times when people will share their stories with me like that, I'll ask them when the last time they went out for a cup of coffee. And they say, well, I was at Starbucks this morning. And I'll ask them, well, how much was your Starbucks? And they'll say, oh, it was $4. And then I'll say, did you get any kind of muffin or sandwich with it? And very often they did. 
and they got out of there for $8. And then I can show them that if they were doing that four times a week, that's $32 a week. That's over $120 a month. And you take that $120 a month that just disappeared at Starbucks and you invest that into a Roth IRA, you'd be amazed the power of compound interest, what Albert Einstein called the eighth wonder of the world. And it's the difference between working for money and having money work for you. Working for money versus your money working for you. Yeah, I share this with my kids all the time who have opened up their Roth IRAs. And I said, when you're at work, you're working for money and that's wonderful. But the few hundred dollars that you put into your Roth IRA, that money is growing and working for you while you're at work working for money. We do need to take a break. When we come back, we'll go into some other major risks we could be facing as we're in retirement. So we'll be right back with David Roselle. He is an author and speaker and the president of Roselle Wealth Management. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that it affects your life in any way money-wise. We're talking about it. Today, we're talking about your retirement, and there are some risks that you could be facing as you go into retirement or if you're already there. Joining me today is David Roselle. He is a financial planner and the president of Roselle Wealth Management. David, you already told us that inflation is a risk. It is for everybody, but especially in retirement, because you usually don't have extra income coming in. It's your social security and anything you're pulling from your 401k or IRA. And there's not a lot you can do to boost that up sometimes. So what are some other risks that we could be facing? Another one that comes to mind is volatility risk. Markets are always going up and down. If we use 2008 as an example, when both the real estate markets in most areas in the stock market, both lost around 50%. And when anything loses 50%, you need a 100% rate of return just to break even. So 100,000 drops down to 50,000, you need to double that 50,000 to get back up to the 100,000. But if the markets lose only 11% or 10%, you only need an 11% rate of return to break even. So as we get closer and closer to retirement and you're accumulating your money, my thoughts are is that we should be allocated in a more conservative format because the return of your money takes precedence on the return on your money. Now, for those of you who are in the accumulation phase and the markets are down, and let's say the markets right now are down hovering around 15% for the year. Keep in mind that this is a bonus for you. And you might be thinking, what? The markets are down. <laughs> well, if you're funding your 401k at every pay period, you're purchasing 15% more shares with every dollar you're investing. And that is a bonus. But when you hit the top of your financial mountain and now you're living off of these investments, you would need to sell 15% more shares to get the same $100,000 as an example to live on. So the financial strategies and tools to get us up the financial mountain aren't always the best, most favorable tools 
to get us down the mountain. Okay. <laughs> are you going to explain what the, the best tools are to get us back down the mountain? <laughs> you know, I, I guess it's my way of saying in, in a very short show, I can't get into every type of financial tool, but I really think that uh, the takeaway from that would be Tiger Woods was the best golfer in the world at one point, and he had two coaches. And most schools do not educate us on money, investing, compound interest, and all this stuff. So it's really important to either get schooled on your own about this or find a trusted partner in a financial planner in your area who can help hold your hand and guide you and look at your overall picture and share with you some of the tools and give you the information needed so that one day that you could be independent of the paycheck. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Always find somebody who can help you or if you want to learn about it and school yourself, even better. I think understanding what is happening to your own money and not leaving it to somebody else to deal with or just tell you, oh yeah, you did well this month. Or ideally, you understand at least a little bit about what your financial advisor is telling you. Yeah, I really don't believe that anyone needs to do anything extraordinary to retire or be independent of the paycheck. It's about doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. It's about learning how much money do I need to put away every week um, to get that. And if you're started, the earlier you start, the easier it is. And so knowledge is power and having that power to know what it is you need to do and set your intentions and your goals. Any of us can do that over time. I have had a lot of people ask me, you know, they're about to retire and they're a little bit worried right now because we do have inflation at a very high rate right now. It's not the highest it's ever been. And we're also facing recession and they are worried that they've just lost all this money that they're about to take into retirement. But I try to say, if you haven't cashed it in yet, if you haven't cashed in your 401k or your IRA, you haven't actually lost anything. That is correct. The, you know, the best way to take the emotion out of investing is by looking at the past. Um, one of the things is recession seems to be a taboo word. And the reality is, is that we average a recession every 8.8 years. It's a natural part of the economy. But there has never been a down real estate market or stock market that hasn't rebound to hit an all-time high. And when we're losing money, even if it's just on paper, because it's only on paper until you actually make that sale and sell it at a loss. And when you're looking at the overall picture, and let's go back to 2008 when the markets lost over 50%. Millions of Americans, based on fear, sold out of their 401ks and IRAs and went into cash. Mm -hmm. Well, they only buy back into it when they have confidence in the market. Well, we're up almost 500% since then, the S&P 500. Just about 30 months ago, in March of 2020, that was the month that we realized that this global pandemic called COVID is a reality. And the stock market dropped 34% over the course of two weeks. 
And based on fear, my least favorite word, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Millions of Americans sold out of their account because the four most expensive words in the English language are, this time is different. Every time is different. And they say, you don't understand, Heather. Never before in this lifetime have we had a global pandemic. This time is different. Get out. Get into cash. Well, the markets are up over 70% this week since March of 2020. Mm -hmm. And all those people that sold out have to now buy back at a 70% premium to get the same holdings. So I want to share this with you. It is not timing the market. It's about time in the market. Stay true. Own a little bit of all the different asset classes. There's 24 of them. Rebalance the accounts. Don't worry about the yo-yo going up and down. Just focus on continuing to contribute to your accounts. And when the markets are down, you're getting more shares with every dollar that you're investing. Yeah. I always try to buy more when the markets dip because then when the prices start coming back, I'll have just gained that much more stock. Yeah, most of us, most people have a very strange relationship or different relationship with money. If you're a, a home builder and lumber goes on sale by 20%, you stock up on lumber. When the stock market goes on sale by 20%, people run and they sell out. It's the antithesis of what we really should be doing. Yeah. And just remember, there's never been a down stock market ever that hasn't rebound to hit an all-time high. I like that. Good place to take a break. When we come back, we'll go into our one last major risk. There's a lot, but we'll touch on one more major risk and maybe go back into that return of your money and not on your money. So we'll be right back with David Roselle. He is an author, speaker, and the president of Roselle Wealth Management. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about risks in retirement and things you can do to mitigate a little bit of that risk, or at least understand what the risks are and not be so fearful of them. And I love what you said, David. Fear is false evidence and of something else. Could you please repeat what fear is? Yeah, I look at it as an acronym, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. You know, when, when we were just talking about uh, March of 2020, the evidence uh, that appeared real was that the world is caving in, run to cash, run to the mountains, the pandemic is here forever. And reality is that that is not a reality. The markets have come back 70% since then. So it's, it's a horrible word. The opposite of fear is love. And uh, fear can bring out the worst in all of us. And it's really important to use our mind in in creative ways to keep fear at bay. In the first couple of segments, you discussed that inflation and volatility risks are a couple of things that we need to look out for or be aware of, at least once we're into retirement, as we come down off that mountain. What's one more risk that we need to be aware of? Another one I'd like to share today would be diversification risk. Uh, So often I look at people's portfolios and 
they have maybe one or two different asset classes and they're only owning two of the 24 and it's having too many of their eggs in one or two baskets. I have a, a son and a daughter and they become from the same parents and yet they behave so differently from each other. And these asset classes in the stock and bond markets are like the children. They come from the same parents, the stock market, but they all behave so differently from each other. So when one is up, another is down. When one's not doing so well, another's doing great. And so it is imperative, in my opinion, to own all 24 of these asset classes and rebalance. Now, you might be asking yourself, what is an asset class? Well, one of them is large company stocks, because large company stocks behave very differently than small company stocks. And then there's international companies like Toyota Motor Corp. Is out of Japan. They're not an American company. And then you've got countries that are emerging markets that are growing like crazy, like Brazil and India. You have different types of bonds. And so it, this is one, a Nobel Prize in economics called the Modern Portfolio Theory. And what they were able to prove is that 90% of success doesn't come from owning that one right stock or bond. It comes from owning all 24 asset classes and rebalancing that portfolio on a regular basis. When you say rebalance on a regular basis, are we talking once a year, once a decade, or when there's just major shifts in the economy, like 2008 was a huge shift, obviously, and then March of 2020, which we discussed. Is that the only time we should be looking at that? For our clients, we rebalance their portfolios on a quarterly basis. And what rebalancing means is let's say that you had 5% holdings, 5% of your total portfolio is in natural resources, which means anything coming from the earth, like oil. And let's say that that asset class has done so well that at the end of the quarter, instead of it making up 5%, which is the initial amount, you own 8%. Well, most people are going to look at that and say, it's done so well, let's buy more. And what we're saying is, no, let's get back to the original 5% and take that and sell high and buy areas that were now underweighted because they haven't performed well. Because what's on the bottom always goes up and what's on the top always goes back down. Okay. I just want to rephrase that for the listeners if 8% of my portfolio is now what you're saying, the gas and oil, I sell 3% of that to get me back down to five and use that 3% that I got a profit on to buy something else that's cheaper. Couldn't have said it any better. All right. So could you just clarify one more time? You, you mentioned this on the return of your money, not a return on your money. What exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, as we get closer to retirement, it's not all about getting the highest rates of return. Because anytime you get a super high rate of return, you're exponentially taking on more risk. And we can't afford to be losing money as we get closer to retirement. So it's about owning all 24 asset classes still, but at different percentages based on your age and risk tolerance and time horizons to have a more conservative outlay of your investments. You know, I like to say Hank Aaron hit more legal home runs than anyone in baseball, but he also struck out more than anyone 
in baseball. And if you're going to hit home runs, you got to be willing to strike out. And as we get to the top of the financial summit, we just can't afford to strike out. Well, thank you so much, Dave Roselle. Again, you are a financial planner and author and speaker and president of Roselle Wealth Management. But you're as an author, you've written several books. And one of them that I'm particularly interested in is Failure is Not an Option. And it is about that coming off the summit in retirement that you just mentioned about making sure that we don't strike out. And what other books do you have? That was the first book I wrote. It's basically about creating certainty and the uncertainty of retirement. And my goal was to write a book that was fun to read. So it every chapter starts with a riveting travel story that leads into a financial lesson. And uh, a lot of readers said, we need a book that's fun to read for our children or grandchildren. So my answer to that was a book called Keep Climbing, A Millennial's Guide to Financial Planning which has a lot of riveting international travel stories that lead into financial lessons about accumulating wealth, doing ordinary things extraordinarily well, and how anyone listening today can get to the top of the financial mountain. And if somebody wanted to contact you, are A, are you taking clients or ask you have somewhere where people can submit questions that you might be able to answer or your team? Yeah, the focus of our practice is working on people who are already at the top of the financial mountain and they need help getting down safely. Um, but I'm happy to talk or help anyone that is that has any questions. And probably the best way to reach me is via email, which is david at rosellwealthmanagement.com, all spelled out. Again, the spelling of my name is R-O-S-E-L-L, wealthmanagement.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much, David Roselle. Again, you are the president of Roselle Wealth Management. You're also a financial advisor and an author and a speaker, and you've helped us a little get a little better understanding of what we need to look out for as we're getting as we're hitting retirement and coming down off that peak of Everest, which it feels like a climb, that heavy of a climb <laughs> trying to get to retirement sometimes. One step at a time. You got it. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.